This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. Bill Frakes, Andy Haight, and John Beaver all worked at newspapers before joining Sports Illustrated. Freelance photographer Jim Gunn followed that path. Jim was at a Kansas basketball game when opportunity knocked, and the rest is history. Tiger ended up winning. I'm kind of rooting for Tiger to make it. Maybe three-putt and let Sergio win, because I knew it would make a really... It would be a much more valuable picture. And um, Tiger, Tiger, but Matt called me the next day. We we shipped the film out. Somebody took it back to New York. And uh, I got home the next day and got a call. And all he said was, you nailed it. Great job. Hung up the phone. So it was fun in the months preceding to see some of the guys and gals and say, dude, way to go. You got that picture that nobody else got, basically. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from cult survivors, Hall of Fame basketball players, Emmy winners, and UCI photographer Steve Zylas. Wasn't really interested in, in, in portraits and being a commercial photographer. It just, that's not where the action was. For me, it was like, I, I, I don't want to be in a studio all day. You know, I, I got to be out. <laughs> I got to be out, like, you know, looking at the world, you know. The rest of my conversation with Steve can be found on our archives at justagoodconversation.com. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor before diving into my conversation with Jim Gund. Maine Farmhouse Brands was started by Dan McCool, a healthcare professional. His goal was to make premium soap. Most people may not realize how important the right soap is for their health and the difference between soap and detergent. Soap is made from natural ingredients like animal and plant fats, whereas detergent is made from synthetic, often harsh chemicals, even fossil fuels like petroleum. Maine Farmhouse Brands makes their own soap with natural ingredients, free from harsh chemicals. So if you want to keep your skin healthy and clean, I would recommend using Maine Farmhouse Brand soap instead of detergent. You can find their body wash, shave soaps, laundry soap, and beard oils, and more at mainfarmhousebrands.com. I am excited because I've got somebody who I was, and I'm going to say this, Jim, slightly jealous of. How are you okay. doing? I'm good. <laughs> I don't know why you're jealous. But oh, come on. In the 90s, I would open up that magazine, and I'd huh? be like, damn it, he's shooting some great stuff over there. Uh, we... we. We, we we managed to get a few good ones in there. <laughs> How in the hell are you, man? You doing good? You you upright? You kicking? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm certainly you know upright and above ground, which is two of the key things. But yeah, everything's good. <laughs> Very little stress in my life now. Um, those days are those sleepless nights. You know, of oh my word, did it go right? Did it go good? Did I do it okay? Whatever. You're waiting you know, for those phone fine. calls. Yeah, boy. I had, a few, <laughs> had a few of them. I got a few stories. Yeah. But I managed, you know, I managed for a pretty good little run for a handful of years, you know, between SI and Off Digest and, you know, Getty and some of the others. So, yeah. for an NBA team for a while. So. Where, yeah. did, where did young Jim grow up at? Kansas City. Really? The Missouri side, the good side, the Missouri side. But um, So, you know, good home. barbecue. Very good barbecue. <laughs> now I'm here in the Carolinas where they try and pitch good barbecue. Different. It's pork. 
I've come, I've come to like it, but they don't have a few places do. But they, when I first moved here and they tried to push brisket on me in a few places. And I was like, no, nah, this is not how we do. We don't do brisket in the crock pot. I'm sorry. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, I knew, I knew barbecue. Was, uh, was your dad a good cook? Did he make you some good barbecue? He never did barbecue. He was, he did, he cooked, but he never took on barbecue. He, he had different things up his sleeve, but never barbecue. So he, they, at least the parents took you to a good barbecue. Oh yeah. And you know, it's KC now. I mean, when I was there growing up, there were only three or four or five places around town. And now there's 75. I mean, you go, right. I go back home and they're, they're everywhere. Um, so we had a, Gates and, and Haywards and a couple of stables on the south side of town where I live. But uh, now, oof, I can't tell you how many there are. What's the historical one in Kansas City? Arthur, Arthur Bryan's. That's it. Yeah. By the old stadium. I think it's by the old municipal stadium. Yeah. Like uh, presidents have been there. and yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and when I was a kid growing up, we had season tickets to Chiefs games, and that was at the old stadium down I'm not even sure where it was in town, but I think Arthur Bryant's was in that general vicinity of <clears throat> downtown Kansas City. That's right. The Chiefs, was that the old AFL days? AFL. Yes. With that longest game ever against <laughs> the Dolphins on, gosh, was it on Christmas Day? Would they have had a game on Christmas Day? They might have in like, oof, I can't, 70. <laughs> <laughs> One or two, I think it's the longest game ever. Whoa. Overtime. Premium made a field goal to win it. Um, third over. I don't know how they did overtime back in those days. But I do think if you Google longest football game ever, NFL, it would be Chiefs-Dolphins playoffs 70-ish, 71, 72 maybe. Good Lord. That game in the old municipal stadium. Yeah. Ooh, and that must have been cold, too. I don't remember. But yeah, I'm you're sure a kid. You just. <laughs> I don't remember. They were pumping um, you full of hot chocolate and bundled yeah. you up. And then a couple of years later, they built the they built Arrowhead and and um, and the Royal Stadium in the big complex. And we, I don't think we did. I don't think we had season tickets then. So. Did you yeah. grow up in a in a house with artists or artistry or what kind of? How did how did oh. a camera? Was there a camera in the house? Did Dad take pictures? I mean. No, he was a movie guy. He had the old Super 8. Or yeah, the old, old one you no sound 8. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no, he was into that. Um, my grandpa was really big My on my mom's side who lived near us. He was really big into photography, but I didn't know much about it until after he passed and went over to his house, you know, to help clean and do whatever he had to do to to, to downsize and, and before they sold it. And we found these boxes of Kodachrome and those old trays where you would drop it into the projector of Yeah, sword. the carousel. Oh, yeah. Not the carousel. They were, the, they were, the, yeah, they were like... Shaped like a hoagie. Yeah. yeah. A hoagie. Oh, my word. He had hundreds of those um, from safari and, and crazy things that obviously he did before I was born or I don't remember him doing it. Right. But, uh, but yeah, and then, yeah. Lo and behold, my mom's having a little yard sale for some of his stuff, and I walk over, and one day, and this is this is when I was just kind of getting into it a little bit, and there's a Leica laying on the table, and it says like twenty dollars on it, and I'm like, no, 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 
I don't think we want to sell this old Leica for twenty dollars. But we didn't, you know, my mom didn't know any better. But I you was, did. Well, you kind of knew. Was, well, this was so he would have died a couple of years after I got in. So I had just gotten into photography. I just how I stumbled into it. We'll get to. So I understood what a Leica was when I saw that. He was shooting more with. He had an Argus. Uh-huh. I believe it was an old camera he had. Um. But yeah, sure enough, uh, there was an old, and I don't, I can't remember the M2. I don't really remember much about the Leica models, but I did know this was a Leica, and I was three, four, five, six months into my stumbling into my photography career or my photography passion or learning, whatever I was getting into. And so I realized a Leica wasn't probably going to, shouldn't be sold for $20 in the garage. <laughs> Was it interesting but, uh, to kind of see those photos that your grandfather took and kind of be like, wow, I'm kind of living a little bit of his life, you know, 40 years a ago. Bit, a little bit, but it was, you know, I stumbled right into sports. And so when I was looking at his photos, I just remember the amazing colors in that work. Oh. You know, I was just kind of learning color and, 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 and pictures and, and, um, you know, I, I mean, I, and I remember holding up, there were cardboard mounted slides and seeing, you know, the date imprinted on and from the sixties and fifties and, and, and still I had all this just amazing color. Um, and cause I can, can picture my photographs that I took with a 126 or whatever we take on a camp family vacation. And a year later, the print, the three by five would be faded and, and all, and I'm looking at these Kodachromes going, wow, this thing's 35 years old. And it's just, you know, I'd look through a little, you know, single view thing and it'd be, I just, it, it just amazed me the color stuck with me. Yeah. That you, you can be completely blown away when you see the quality of that film back then. I mean, it was like nothing we have today. I mean, and it, I, when I'm looking and I'm still totally novice, I don't know ASA from, Shutter speed from f stop. I don't know. I just remember. I just remember, you know, and I think we probably did pull out one of his projectors and put it up on the wall. And you're looking at this picture going, holy cow, or on a screen, the detail. And, and I remember specifically some from uh, from a safari and, and just some of the colors that I'm, you know, yeah, I remember that specifically. And, and then he did a, he, he, he did a lot of uh, Yosemite and, and, and Tetons and all of that. And, uh, wow. Grandpa a, got around. He was a bit of an outdoorsman. Yeah. So I remember he hunted and, and fished and then obviously took a camera along and a lot of times. And, uh, fortunately I don't know if any of those are still around. Wow. So tell me, okay, there's the mystery. How do we find photography? What? Well, I go to college. So I go off to university of Kansas. So like, there's no high school introduction. Like, I've never picked up a camera in my life. Damn, Jim, you're but a late bloomer. Like, five, like 126 or no, I, you know, I know nothing. I, like I say, I honestly couldn't tell you what ASA meant or F stop or millimeter. I, I knew nothing. I was going to college with no clue as to what I was going to do. It this, was just what everybody was doing. Now this is at the university of Kansas. Yeah. So how do you decide on the University of Kansas from high school? Um, I, you know, my parents had gone to Mizzou. We, like I said, we lived on the Missouri side, but I was four blocks from the state line. We, we, 
we'd ride our bikes over there because you could blow off fireworks on the Kansas side of the line and you couldn't on the Missouri side. And it literally was, it was a five minute bike ride. Um, Such a child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my best friend was a track star in high school, the high school I went to. And uh, he went up to the, he got invited to go up to the KU relays, which is a pretty big track and field meet back in the day. And uh, as a high school invitee, cause he was that good. He was world-class uh, jumper, high jump, long jump, triple jump. So I rode up with him and his family just for a that Saturday track meet. I'd never, I'd never been to Lawrence. I'd been down to Columbia with my parents for a few Missouri games. And I just, Lawrence was neat. And, you know, my best friend was going there. And so I just said, sure. And I truly, I honestly didn't know if I was going to be a, a plumber or an airline pilot or a, a, an engineer. I had no clue whatsoever. I loved sports. Wasn't going to have any sort of a living playing sports, but I, I just thought maybe, I don't know, high school, another high school friend's dad was an NFL referee on the, you know, Sundays only. And mm-hmm. that was probably back 14 game schedule back in those days, to be honest. So yeah. I tried to figure out, well, he's got to do something else. He only works 14 Sundays a year. And I think he was an insurance salesman. So I was like, eh. <laughs> anyway, so, but I do love sports. I do love sports. Right, right off the get-go. So I go to KU, um, join a fraternity with this guy and a couple other guys from my high school, and and that's it. I'm just waddling through my freshman year, no clue, taking whatever you take freshman year, a little of this, a little of that. Right. And and I honestly was just kept saying I'm I'm undetermined. What's the what, what's the un, un, undeclared? Undeclared. I kept yep. saying well, I'm just undeclared. <laughs> And, That's you know, my major. I'm declared. Yeah. <laughs> and, and summer break comes around, and uh, I, 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 my parents actually done with the kids, and so they moved to Colorado. That had been a dream. They moved out to Colorado, left Kansas City. I stayed in Kansas City with some friends, and uh, roll into sophomore year, and I'm I'm still undeclared. And my parents start to kind of give me, "Oh, well, you got it," and I'm like, "But I don't, don't, I don't have any. I really don't." I don't have anything I really, really want to do. And I am truly just now barely getting by because I'm dropping classes and I'm not liking the economics and I'm not liking this. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And I'm at a basketball game, December, end of the year against Kentucky. Kentucky's come to Lawrence, so it's a pretty big game. Um, Our fraternity had a little section you would buy, like 40 seats, and we had – what would be the end zone, I guess, at a basketball game. We were on the baseline. They had the old pull-down seats that literally came right down, well, not to the court, but, you know, a 15-foot walkway between front row of us, the cheerleaders, and the court. And it's halftime. And I'm just standing there with a couple guys, minding my own business. And a guy walks up to me for no reason why he picked me out and says, excuse me, I work for Sports Illustrated Magazine. I need to go in the game in the locker room at halftime, or I mean, at the end of the game. I'm sitting down there. Would you mind coming down and guarding my equipment while I go in the locker? And I looked at him and I was like, you know, I'm supposed to go out with a bunch of guys here to a party or something. And he turned to me and said, I'll pay 25 bucks. And I said, you're in. And that's it. I walked down and he said, my name's, I came down with a couple of minutes before the end of the game. And I'm sitting there with everything. He says, by the way, my name's Rich Clarkson. 
I said, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And uh, he said, I'll be back in 10 or 15 minutes. He goes, I told all my buddies, and they're like, all right, all right, yeah, that guy's with that side. So a couple of them came down, and we just stood around, stood around, taking it all in. KU got beat, so we we're all kind of, you know, bummed out. Um, he comes back. You know, I don't know if you've ever met Rich, but kind of a mm-hmm. short guy wearing a sport coat, and he comes, you know, wandering up on him. And uh, that's it. We just started chatting. He told me, you know, I work out at Topeka. I run the paper up there and director of photography, and I'm on a contract with SI. And and uh, I said, wow. And, you know, he's got his Halliburton cases. I remember he's loading everything up and and uh, helped him to the car, you know, before we all had, you know, pulleys and stuff and carts. And loaded him up, and uh, he gave me his business card, and I said, if you ever need help again, give me a call. And I wrote down my number, and, and, and a week or two later, he called me. He said, I've got to go to Kansas City. We had an NBA team there for a few years, and uh, Portland Trailblazers were on that run with Walton where they won like 20 games in a row or something crazy. He said, yeah. I need to go to Kansas City, and – wasn't a big setup. I, I remember enough to know that they didn't put lights up or anything like that. I, I, not that I knew what that meant, but I, but I just remember we. He just said, "I need some help. We're going this game for a little quick thing. You want to go?" And I'm saying, "Sure." Picked me up. Yeah, you know, five in the afternoon. We drove to KC, and 40 minutes away. Stopped and had a steak dinner, and he just. I just picked his brain. Got to the game, and um, he loaded up a camera. You ever shot one? <laughs> My favorite thing was he put a roll of film in there, and I'm like, so were there 12 or 24 on this roll? And he looked at me and said, 36. I was like, 36? I didn't know they all 36. I mean, that'll tell you, I had no idea what was going on. And um, anyway. 36? <laughs> I can imagine uh, he's being shocked. I know, I know. So uh, he puts a, I don't know, a 50 or an 85 on it. I really don't know. And he sets everything. And I sat behind him, and. I remember it not being a big deal. Like I say, there wasn't a lot. You know, I did plenty of games with him afterwards, lights and Hasselblads and remotes. And and um, so, anyway, we shot the game. And, you know, a week or two later, he, he I get a packet at the fraternity house, a, a manila envelope with a couple of the prints I took. I remember I shot Bill Walton on the bench, and, and, and I don't, I'm sure I shot some action. Wait a minute. So he gave you a camera to shoot? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I say he loaded it up, and he said, take some pictures. And So I, I, I'm sure he drops it. It was probably black and white, and he ran it through the, through the Topeka paper. I, I don't remember yeah. exactly. What was that like, though? Like, walk me through that moment. What was that like? You know, like, there's Bill Walton, and you got this camera. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I just remember sitting there on the floor, and I'm looking up, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm taking in, there's – Couple people from the paper and AP. What I just remember other photographers, and I guess I never, other than when I came down and stood with him and guarded his stuff, never really took it. I came down, you know, pretty much at the end of the game that first time. Or now here, you know, every sneaker squeak and whistle and sweat. I mean, they're banging bodies and these are big guys, and and um, so it was just. I think the neater thing was when I opened the package and there was you know, a couple eight by tens of Bill Walton pictures I'd taken and he was sitting, you know, 15 feet from me on a bench. And I was like, God, this is pretty cool. So that's how I got started. And a couple of weeks later, I think in order, I'm KU 
K-State basketball game for the paper over in uh, Manhattan. So I drove up to Topeka, met at the paper. He gave me directions. And myself, him, and Chris Johns, who turned out to be a National Geographic photographer and director of photography at National Geographic, my gosh, we rode over to the game. And, um, and yeah, KUK State, M-State, big rivalry. And he once again, he gave me a camera. And sitting behind him, I took a picture of a cheerleader at the end of the game, KU won. It was a K-State cheerleader, and she's kind of got her hand down in her pom-poms, dejected, and lo and behold, it ran into the Topeka Capital Journal that next day. And um, so it was my first I – couldn't, I couldn't wait to get up, you know, on Sunday morning getting up early, but I had to get up early to drive over to the 7-Eleven and pick up a newspaper because he had called me that night and said, hey, we're going to use one of your pictures from the game. They did. They were so good with pictures. I remember that they probably ran like eight pictures, almost a picture story of KUK State. And um, so I had a picture, small picture with my name under it, and I was like, holy cow, this is pretty cool. So that's what kind of got me sucked into thinking, maybe I want to do this. But, so yeah, but tell me this, because this is interesting, because, you know, you say it's so natural, but what were you thinking when you're looking through the camera and there's that cheerleader and you see her slightly dejected? Like, are you aware that's a moment? I mean, you don't know what moments are yet as a photographer, just you do as a human. Right. I'll be honest. She was cute. I remember <laughs> that. I have to be perfectly honest. But she was, you know, once again, it goes back to that, you know, Chris, or Rich is here. I'm sure Chris was on the other end. And I'm, I'm right behind him. I don't think I had a floor. You know, I wasn't probably in the front of, you know, with all the other photographers. But, I mean, so the cheerleaders are right there. Yeah. I mean, literally. So I think it was just a natural, you know, look. I'd probably been looking at her and watching the game. And, 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 and I don't, I guess I might have taken a few pictures of the game over the top of, of Rich. Um, but I just turned and saw it. And, you know, I think on any given game, if I hadn't been sitting there, if some, Rich had taken it, it might not have made it into print. I think he might have said, let's get him a picture in there. I don't know, maybe. I never really asked him. Right. Uh, I don't they were like, oh, my God, we got to have that picture of the cheerleader. Versus, hey, let's, uh, let's throw him a bone. And... Uh, get him published in the, in the paper. And, um, so, so we could say literally your hormones got you started. (laughs) Potentially, potentially. Um, but that's fantastic. I remember, I don't, I don't have it. Unfortunately, I don't have that picture. I don't know if you could go find it in the files, possibly the way they've gone back and read, you know, but but I don't, I remember it being a, a decent picture. I remember being for the longest time as I started learning, pictures and, and, and compo- com, uh, composing them and, and lighting in the next umpteen years. I remember that one for a long time being really, really clean. I do remember that because I, I now look at some pictures and I'm like, oh, my God, look at those backgrounds. They're horrible. <laughs> but I remember that one not being horrible. So it, it was a good, you know, it, I don't think he would have put a picture in there that was like, you know, barricades or, you know, right. standard, whatever else might have been a water cooler, whatever else would have been. A, so I think I maybe just got lucky and turned 
and she had a nice blown out clean background behind her. It was a real close up of her. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so where does that snowball start in your head? Where okay, this is something I find interesting on the weekends. This could be something. Well, it it it, it continued. <laughs> You know, so we're now into like February and I'm going to hit the final four on the floor six weeks later, sitting next to Rich loading. He trained me how to train me, showed me how to load Hasselblads. So, I, you know, a couple of weeks later, we went to Notre Dame to do a basketball game. And that was my first, what, how do we get there? Who pays for it? And he was like, it's Sports Illustrated. I'm like, wow. So we go to Notre Dame. They're doing lighting you know, he's the first time I'd been on a game where they, I, I was trying to was trying to explain how the lighting, you know, putting four strobes up. He, you know, Anthony, what was the guy's guy used to do? Anyway, but um, the lighting tech back then. Yeah, lighting tech, yeah. one of the original guys. So, uh, so I'm like, wow, and I'm, so it's all of a sudden kind of starting to understand a little bit more about it. Um, See, that's something people don't. I don't think people know is that in the early days of Sports Illustrated, there were lighting techs that you would. They would get a call ahead of time and say, like, Rich is going to Notre Dame, and that guy yeah. would fly in and Absolutely. either install or fly into a place, take a pack out, and put packs yeah. in. Absolutely. Yeah. That's crazy, but I, that's I was, how it I was. I was lucky enough, and, you know, Peter, John, all those, I was lucky enough to do a handful of games where I had a lighting tech, which, yeah. <laughs> holy cow. But uh, so, uh, you know, that was Notre Dame, and then a few weeks later, we're into March Madness, and we got to Oregon and did the regionals out there for – you know, a bunch of games, and then the final four was in St. Louis that year. Uh, Kentucky beat Duke, and um, so that was just like, holy cow! I'm sitting back, going, but 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 I also now, especially look back on it, go, why well, I want to go work for Sports Illustrated? You know, I'm just going to go work for Sports Illustrated. This is great. You know, how how hard can not? I never said how hard can it be, right, but, but yeah, I, I thought it was just something you could go do. Uh-huh. I didn't. I wasn't thinking so rich was cool rich was great rich was slowly kind of saying look why don't you consider getting in journalism school getting into photojournalism school you know whether or not he was complimenting me on pictures or telling me you've got a bit whatever he might have been saying i don't know i don't remember but um so that was that seemed to make the most sense you know i got to know chris johnson a bit believe it or not susan ford as in Gerald Ford's daughter, he was probably out of office by then, but she wanted to get into photography. She came to KU just so she could be an intern in Topeka to work for Rich Clarkson. Yeah. That's what a big deal he was. So her and I, about the same age, she was at KU too with me, so we kind of got to be buddies, um, you know, and and so I kind of picked her brain about I, mean, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what she was all about and why she wanted to be a photographer. But um, so I was getting some feedback. I wasn't, you know, I didn't understand that Brian Lanker was Brian Lanker. Right. He was, you know, um, Carl DeVos, who turned out to be great photographer, was a great photographer and went on to stuff. Damien came after me. Damien worked there. Um, I mean, Clarkson just, you know, Gary Settle and Clarkson just cranked him out mm-hmm. and but I didn't understand what they were trying to get out of working for Rich Clark. I was still so green and, 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 and needed to start from scratch, basically. I really did. So what are mom and dad's thoughts at this time? 
they they wonder they just don't quite get it. They they didn't quite understand that somebody would be really somebody can pay for you to fly around. They 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 were thinking nefarious things in all honesty. Sure, honey, right are you that, sure? <laughs> yeah. Right after that, and then uh, I in, in, anyway. So um, you know, it just kept going. It went through the summer. Summer rolled around, and he's a big track and field guy. Back oh yeah, S and I used to cover it a ton. So, gosh, we, he, I remember we did a, a, a story on a pole vault pole. The pole, that's it. It had been passed around to like five guys and three of them had broken world records or something crazy or American records. And so we literally went to Eugene and did so-and-so. Then we went and did Mike Tully at UCLA. And then we went and did... Dan O'Brien, I think was his name, at Texas, and then Earl Bell, another one in Arkansas, all for over for like ten days of just traveling around, doing crazy. He was doing all these remotes mounted up on the top of poles and down in the pit, and and I'm thinking this is the coolest thing in the world. That he, I was thinking more, what a job mm-hmm. to be able to travel around and take pictures. I never wasn't. I was still way green at what it takes to become a really good photographer. Right. I was looking at it more like, what a neat job. We fly around, we stay in nice hotels, we have nice dinner, and we hang around with athletes. So um, I really needed to start from scratch. And, <laughs> and Rich has got to be, what, work. 40 at this time? Sorry? Rich has got to be, what, 40 at this time? Uh, he's 92 right now, 93. Yeah. So this, this is late 70s. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then, you know, uh, did a bunch of summer track and field. So then I'm coming back to school, you know, or through the summer, you know, Royals games, whatever was going on back in that area during the summer. Um, but I just, you know what? I didn't really want to, I didn't want to, wanted to travel and away from photography. I just wanted to travel. That can be and, sexy. It's fun. Well, when I was younger, high school, like or maybe middle school, I don't even remember when, we had a foreign exchange student from Australia stay with us for a semester. And I just was like, I want to go to Australia. I heard about Australia for four months from this, this 17, 18-year-old young lady, and I was 13 or 14, and, and, and just taken by how neat of a place it sounded. And... Um, so Rich, Rich was really saying, "Why well, journalism school? Go, you know." And I just, I got to be honest, I just, I kept thinking, staying in Kansas with all my buddies, and all the fun I have, really want to travel, and and I did. I just, I quit school, and took off for a year. Wow. Yeah. I now, just, I, do you own a camera at this time? Have you purchased anything? No, no, I don't think I ever purchased one. He was really good about recycling used ones, you know, I think I had an old F, I wrote it down, like an F2 or something. Okay. And, um, but no, like I, I maybe bought, because I took one when I went to Australia, now that I think about it. Maybe maybe I did buy one from him. So, uh, so anyway, how long did you go down under? There, about nine months. Wow! And, Jesus! And it was, it was traveling and youth hostels and picking up odd jobs and, and, and fiddling around and just trying to learn how to surf. And I just, I just, yeah. So anyway, I spin through that. I come back. Well, how brave of you. 
Like, I mean, there's kids today that don't even like to drive at 18 and you go all the way across the world. Oh, I, I think about it. Just, just, I just went, I didn't know a soul other than that girl was exchanged to, but we, we never met up. I remember, you know, this is pre-internet and crazy. Sure. And, and I, I think I wrote her a letter and said I might come over and it just, it never worked out. But that's, that's, that's not the reason I went. Right. Oh my word. It was so much fun. I still have people I'm in touch with from 40 some odd years later. Um, I've been actually back a few other times, but it, so I get back just to speed this up a little bit. I get back and I'm like, okay, I, I need to do something. But I can't go back to Lawrence. I knew, I knew, I know they've got a good school, richest, you know, Clarkson, Beacon, all that good stuff. But I knew, I knew myself well enough. I would fall right back into that. Playing in the murals, going to the hawk on the wheel, the two bar, and just, and just so, high school friend of mine had gone to Arizona State. Um, and I, 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 you know, my parents, I think I told you, moved to Colorado. So. Right. Arizona was not that far, <clears throat> so I uh, reached out to him. Broke down one weekend in January, and it's you know seventy degrees. I'm like, you know what? I, think I might want to go to school in Arizona. <laughs> this is really nice, and uh, so that's what I did. I went down and took a year off to get in-state tuition. Waited a year to get that you know way to right. Once you been. so I picked up a job at a, at a camera store, um, which was kind of nice. You know, I met some guys from the uh, Republican Gazette, the papers there, and, and um, that really immerses you too now because you got your hands on cameras, you're seeing stuff. Yeah. That's a good move. And so ended up basically, you know, and I'd gone two and a half years in Lawrence, and a lot of the stuff didn't transfer over, and I understood it, and just walked into ASU and went to the school newspaper and got hired there, and and then started stringing it at a couple of the papers and wire services and. And that's where it all really started, where I'm like all of a sudden realizing, boy, oh boy, you've got a lot to learn. You've got a lot to learn. It's just not all about showing up and saying, hey, I want to work for Sports Illustrated. So, um, you know, I did that routine for, you know, not routine, but I mean, went through, got an internship at a paper there. And that led me to a full-time job and a couple papers. And then, um, well, there, well, there any mentors though in college to kind of help guide you, explain to you the better idea of to t- how to take a picture. I worked, for, I worked for a guy named Don Stevenson at the uh, Mesa, Mesa, you know, Mesa and Tempe and Channel East all have their own little individual mm-hmm. papers. And yep. they all combined it to call it the, just the, the Tribune, I think East Valley or whatever. Um, so he was really good. I mean, I remember just sitting down with him before I get an assignment and say, okay, I need some help. You know, you want me to go do a portrait? Please give me, because i got to be honest, ASU school wasn't, I went to school with some really, you know, Tina Gerson, who's out of Daily News and you're out near you for many years, Clarence Tab and, you know, Gary. And I worked, I went to, I worked at the, or I went to school with some really good photographers. Mm-hmm. We didn't learn a lot in our, unfortunately, our classes weren't, were incredibly elementary. Um, even, even for beginning students, it was, you know, we, we'd spent three months on, you know, loading you know, that hundred foot reel of film. I'm like, oh, can we get on to taking pictures? So, um, <laughs> So, you know, Gary, Gary O'Brien and, and Don Stevenson, who were both at the Tribune, were really, really helpful when I was interning there. Um, 
but I still had, you know, my gosh, I was still learning things up until the last day I worked. <laughs> was, was the expectation that you were going to go into journalism or was there anything else in photography that really kind of, you were kind of no. leaning toward it was journalism all the way. Well, I, yeah. And I wanted to be a sports shooter, which is silly me. You know, a lot of people, you know, drop the ball and, and or whatever, and don't take on everything. And, uh, so I wanted to be a sports photographer and I was, I was pretty good at it. Um, you know, in hindsight, I wish I'd have concentrated more on learning lighting and, and whether you're shooting food or, you know, Manny Milan, I think was a food photographer for years. And mm-hmm. gosh, how good was he? Um, so yeah, but I, I wanted to be, and I loved the newspaper. I loved working. I, I went from there out to the Charlotte Observer, and I loved working in a newspaper. I thought that was so much fun, even not doing the sports. Sure, the sports stuff was great, but I loved just walking in every day and having a different thing to shoot. Right. And that, was, that was really neat. Yeah, total buffet variety. You don't yeah. know what you're doing yeah. any day. Yeah. So and I do love the sports, and 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 you know some guys I worked with a couple guys that were older who didn't want to work nights and weekends with this one mainly sports are. And then there were a couple of other guys that just, you know, not mean, I don't mean this a mean way. Just, just didn't really get, have a knack for following focus and some of the things. No. Hey, I might've been a little better at, and this is all, this is all before autofocus. And, and the other thing back to real quick, it's a, it's a message for you. You know, this is mid eighties and we're just starting to do color in papers. We shot slides. <laughs> So we didn't have a lot of room for air. And I tell you what, learning to shoot slide film when you were covering stuff for a newspaper, you really had to nail it. Um, and, and that was, that was huge. You know, I, I'll never forget always having that little Minolta whatever two meter around my neck and people just kind of giving me grief about it on sidelines at ASU games or whatever. I'm like, Hey, we can't be two stops over or under like you guys can. Yeah. In the doctor. So, um, and you constantly got to check. Absolutely. You know, and it was, it was so helpful when, you know, they eventually came into shooting for people who needed color all the time. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was really nice. Really neat. Really neat and helpful. What, what was the spark to get you to Charlotte to the observer? Well, I, <laughs> The, the, the spark was, you know, graduating and, and, and trying to get on in Mesa, and they didn't have an opening, trying to get on at Phoenix Gazette or Republic. They didn't know. Was, I wanted to stay out west. I loved the West Coast. So I grabbed my portfolio, and I drove to smaller papers, you know, Oxnard and and, and Contra Costa and, and um, gosh, all up and down, the, you know, a couple, three in the Bay Area. I can't remember. Santa... Santa Rosa Press. Yeah. No, just figuring, I'm not going to LA Times, you know, some of the big ones. So I went to all those papers and I just, it was a bad time to be, I, I hate to say it, it was a bad time to be a white guy trying to get in the newspaper business. I hate to word it that way. Yeah. I don't mean anything by that other than it was just a, you know, turn on Lou Grant TV show and everybody in this room, you know, so they were looking to diversify and I totally get it and understand it. So, um, I was, I, I, it's so funny. I, I think back on, I don't even know how you found out about job openings back in 1985 and six and well, seven. Probably the NPPA job bank. I, I was going to say, when I said that, I, I obviously something like that, or 
Now, I've graduated, and, and but I was still in contact with a couple of the professors, and I'm sure they had some sort of a, um, you know, rapport with with other journalism departments around the country. I, right. I don't know. But anyway, I hear about a job opening in North Carolina, in the Carolinas, and I'm like, I've never been here in my life. And I'll never forget Doug Anderson, like the head of the journalism department, says, don't turn down a job, Jim, just because you don't want to go there. Right. They're just too hard to come by, and especially in your field right now. And so um, I went out for an interview and got hired. And um, and that's a decent-sized paper. I mean, you're not in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know, and it was, you know, first of my first thing is, well, I don't have any sports. And they didn't. This is before the, the Hornets arrived. Um, and Panthers. And I mean, there was, yeah. Now they have the Panthers, and there's hockey up the road in, in, in Raleigh. But what an interesting thing to think about because – you know, people don't realize the South hadn't expanded yet. There was Atlanta Braves, but there was no Florida baseball teams. Like it hadn't, Major League Baseball, football hadn't come to the South. It was college. College was king. And I remember interviewing in Charlotte and then saying, well, you know, Clemson's only 100 miles away and Carolina's only 100 miles away. And Wake Forest is only 100 miles away. And and and, and, and and NC State and Duke and South Carolina. So you are, I mean, we had UNC Charlotte, which had a decent little basketball program, um, Davidson College, um, right in town. Um, but within, you know, two, two and a half hour span, you had about seven or eight major colleges. So um, and it was a good paper, it was a super paper. Um, biggest paper in the Carolinas. And I knew I was in a good place right off the bat because they, they, they just had, oh, and, you know, obviously Topeka's darkroom was out of this world. The way Clarkson had, you know, meticulously had it, you know, clean and, and whatever. But uh, I remember going in the Charlotte darkroom, and it was really nice. And then some music playing. It was just a good vibe. And some really good photographers. Um, How big was the staff? Were, you know, I think we had 10 downtown, and then we were four or five out in the bureaus. Wow, uh, that's good size. Pretty good, yeah. And the bureaus, you know, were 30 miles away, so they were – Bob Leveron was down in Rock Hill, and Bob mm-hmm. turned out fabulous, worked for Sporting News for years, and, and he would come up and do – you know, whenever we did NASCAR, we had the whole staff out there just to get everybody on the track. And uh, and Bob and I, you know, it, it was great. I'll never forget, first time NCAA tournament rolled around. If any of those score, schools I named got in, you were going. So there were there was a good good you know there was a good chance that Wake Carolina Duke NC State sometimes Clemson would all be going to the NCAA's and so they needed everybody scattered who's going to Richmond and who's going to the, you know Tulsa and who's going to and so it was yeah we covered them all all the way to the Final Four and uh, and generally one of Duke or Carolina NC State went you know obviously in uh, Albuquerque um, would roll. So, yeah, they'd go far. So you keep going along with them. So you would get you hope you picked the right one. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I know. Um, so, so it was really nice to know that they're, they, they, they had the budget and the commitment, um, you know, to do, to run pictures and uh, run, run them well and, and um, send you this. I'll never forget. I was at a NASCAR event right up. I'd just been there not that long and, um, the whole staff or close to it, eight or eight or nine of us. And there's a, 
a call that Fred Wilson, <clears throat> photo editor, has been a plane crash, or no, a boat crash, right off the coast in Wilmington. Well, they, and they get the you know, initial details, they don't know everything. Mm-hmm. But he looked at me and a guy named Wes Bobby, he said, get out of here, get to the airport, charter a plane, go. I mean, I am talking, there wasn't any discussion or this, they said, get out of here. And so sure enough, we drive out of Charlotte Motor Speedway, away from all the traffic, and go to Charlotte Airport and and hired a little, you know, called it. I didn't, somebody called ahead probably, and sure enough, they had a little, little, um, you know, four seat, twin engine plane waiting for us to fly out to Wilmington, you know, two hundred miles away, just to try and get there. And we got there kind of, you know, after the fact, but we made we made a few good pictures. People were still milling. I don't think it turned out to be a, as much of a tragedy as it might have been. It was an oversized ferry boat or something, but. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm just they, they they did it the right way. Wow! Did you, you know, feel you a lot of growth it. those first couple of years, two three years in at Charlotte? Do you feel like you were constantly yeah. getting better? Absolutely, absolutely. But once again, I, I wish I'd spent more time doing portraits and some of the other. I mean, you know, when you did a newspaper portrait, you took a two eighty three and you bounced it <laughs> off the ceiling. Yeah. And, yeah um, you know, Mark, I worked with a guy, Mark Sluter, who did more of the, you know, fashion, anything, because we, we had a really nice studio, you know, to pull down, you know, paper or whatever, and lights built in, and, and Mark always, I just wish I had spent more time. Like, I mean, I can't go back. But. Was that intimidating to you? Is that why, or? or? Very, very much so. I didn't, I, yeah. And I just didn't kind of understand it. I didn't get, I just didn't, yeah, I didn't, I just didn't get it. I really didn't. Because to me, the only way you're going to get it, and I realized that post-sports photography, when I was doing weddings, portraits, and all that, trial and error is really how you're going to figure it out. And boy, oh boy, did digital make trial and error a lot easier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I just now, I'm really comfortable taking two lights and, you know, not that I'm doing it much, but taking a bride downtown. I mean, I did dozens and dozens of bridal portraits down here in Charleston. And we'd go downtown and you'd take a light or two and have an assistant and, and just, you know, I just, it just, you just figure it out. Right. Figure out what works right off the bat. Yeah. And then you build off of that. Yeah. You'd get it and then you build off of that. And, and whereas before, you know, I would get my film back or whoever and I'm like, oh, dang it, that shadow was not right. Or there was too much, you know, I just, mm-hmm. you know. so, yeah. Anyway. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to be said when you understand where just to simply put the softbox, the key light, and then build off of that. Exactly it. You know, understand, I don't want this room to go totally black. So I got to make sure my power stays even to the ambient and then there's accent lights. I mean, all that stuff, it, it goes a long way to making the photo, not taking one. I never really learned that between college and and. I never learned it. I never learned it. I mean, because once again, anytime I did a, you know, newspaper job, never did really anything in the studio. So it was always on location. And you might have one little softbox or an umbrella probably, and you'd you'd hook up your your little Novatron or whatever. We had portable lights, and they'd just bounce around. And it was was fine. Sure. It it worked. Yeah, it was fine for the paper. It was like, oh, easy to print, you know, because there wasn't a big shadow. And so... Um, I, 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 I learned the hard way when 
started getting some of those big assignments that I really didn't know how to do it, um, unfortunately. Yeah, but you don't know what you don't know either. Like you don't, if you don't know what you could do with eight lights or you could do simply with two, you know, you can't fault yourself. The only thing you do is, you know, try to absorb around from other people. But, but that, I guess what I'm leading up to is as, you know, things progress 10 years from that this point. Time, yeah. And I get a job from, you know, somebody in New York to do a nice portrait of somebody. And I'm like sleepless the night before because I'm like, I really don't know the best way to do this. But you're not going to tell them that because then you won't get the job. Right. It was a, it was a real push-pull you know, I remember reaching out to Greg Foster, who was a photographer out of Atlanta, a really good portrait guy, and just say, hey, man, I'm going to do this job, and I'm not really sure, you know, best way, you know, and it was terrible. It was terrible. But now, after spending those three or four years doing, you know, 15 portraits, bridals, or couples, or whatever I was doing, non-sports-related, you know, but it all works just all on the same. Right. You know, and uh, now I'm as comfortable as ever. And um, I wasn't then. And um, some of them went okay and some of them not so much. And But what are you going to do when George Washington, I'll never forget George called me to do a portrait. Vladi Divac had just come from the Lakers. And Anthony Mason had just come from the Knicks. So somebody from New York and L.A. are all of a sudden coming to Charlotte. Little old Charlotte. And um, they wanted a portrait of him. And, you know, my own, well, I, I knew the PR guy pretty well with the Hornets. I'd been their team guy for a little while, and he didn't help a lot, unfortunately. I kid you not. We got, we did something out kind of away from the arena. There was a, a farmland, a nice long white picket fence. And I'm thinking a portrait of them that kind of shows we're maybe out in the country a little more than the big city. I took 10 or 15 frames and he's looking at me going, we're done. And I'm like, what? He goes, we're done, Jim. That's it. And I mean, my stomach just got into a knot like you couldn't believe. I'm like, Harold, come on. He goes, no, we're done. And that was about it. I sent one half roll of film, George Washington. Oh, boy. And it ran and it was a decent picture, but I remember specifically him saying, it's all you got? I don't have any different angles, different lenses. And I'm just like, and that goes back to that whole just really not knowing how to manage the situation better. And I don't know how I could have. You know, here's somebody I know, PR guy. Lottie was cool. I don't really, didn't really know Mason. But um, he's like, no. You know, they see 10 or 12 bursts of these strobes. I had a strobe outside, and they're like, we're done. Yeah, I actually have that photo up. I'm looking at it now. That, the thing? that you took. And it's, it's okay. and it, yeah, and it's, you could tell that the situation needed to be managed from this is what we're going to do, explaining it to both players and telling the PR guy, this is what we're doing. And you know this, we both were able to pull those cards. I'm with Sports Illustrated. I get more time than if I am with the Pogon Gazette. Yeah, but I think Harold, who knew I knew, just kind of, but you're Jim. Yeah. You're Jim. You've been hanging around here. You were our team guy in the first year, and you're this. And, you know, we, you know, it just, I know. I know. 
I mean, I, and I didn't need an hour and a half, but he needed 10 or 15 minutes. Right. Not even not that much. But I wanted to put on a longer lens and go back. I mean, I, I, everything, every single picture was shot with a 35 millimeter or whatever that was, 28. I don't even know. But it was just, it just, you know, it's when you go to bed at night and you're like, oh, my God, and just just beat yourself up. I hated right. I hated, hated. I understand when something goes wrong. There's a difference between that for whatever reason, you know, whatever. And you probably heard there. you probably heard it too in George's voice. Yeah, it was just a big disappointment because I've been to New York and I've been to this. I sat in a couple times on the on the meeting when they show the picture, mm-hmm. and it's not George or or Jeff White or Marine or whoever. It's it's the main guy who's in charge saying, "Show me another one. Show me another one. Show me a different angle." And they're sitting there with the the clicker going, "That's all we have." What do you mean that's all he had? And I'm like, oh, oh my God. So George gets beat up. That's all he got. That's all he yeah. got. One you hired angle. this guy, why? Yeah. No, one angle. And, you know, probably half of them were, you know, bracketing. So probably half of them were, you know, either that one's a little over or the one that ran. So <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. So there were a handful of those that were, but, but I now, you know, I'm older, wiser, more mature, more, more versed with, pictures and lighting, you know, but you can't go back and right. say, well, I wish I could. Right. But, but I wish I could, you know, and walk in there and say, Hey, we're going to take 15 minutes and have it a little more, you know, lined up, but it didn't. And, and, and so now yeah. you touched on this and, and I, you know, this is where I, when I saw your stuff in the mid nineties, I look back now and go, Oh, he should have been that guy for 30 years. You were the Hornets team photographer for what? One or two years? It was, yeah, one, one and a half. When they came in. So yeah. when you're at the paper and you hear you guys are going to get a team, they're putting right. a team in Charlotte. What does that mean to you guys? Oh, here, tell you what was really cool. It was first year we got the Hornets and a beat writer, a guy named Rick Minnell. They said, we're going to have a beat photographer, Jim Gunn. You're going to go to every home game, every practice, Selected road games, breaking news, anything. And I was like, wow. And he goes, You're not, they're not, you know, for whatever. Training camp started in September, October. October. Right. So over to May, April, that's all you're going to do. I mean, I filled in with, I would do, like, if they went on a 10 day road trip to the West Coast and I didn't go, I went on two or three road trips, but not all of them, obviously. You know, I would then fill in and do some other things. Sure. Uh, but pretty much for eight months, that's all I did. So I met the guy with the Hornets because I was there all the time and, and, you know, practices and just just goofy stuff, too. I had to do some of the, you know, promotional stuff. But um, he turned to me afterwards, after that season, and said, would you be interested in coming to work for us? I'm like, I don't know. And um, Did they have anybody at the time? They did, but he was, a, he was just part-time. He used to sit next to us, and he whistled louder than anybody in the stands when – when when Muggsy was bringing the ball down, well, I remember just having to hold my ears. He was cheering so loud. So he traded pictures for a credential. He was sure. one of those. But it wasn't much better with me in terms of, I think they paid me 150 bucks a game. There was no, so we didn't go through New York. I just dropped the film in a lab in Charlotte, you know, gave him, I took selects. Getty at the Allsport, Getty, same time, was starting to use me a little bit. So it was kind of a combination of, so all of a sudden, all sport and Getty 
or they started to use me a little bit. So I thought between the two, team photographer and working for All Sport Getty, they put me on contract. The two of those things sounded like a better thing, better position for me than just a Charlotte Observer. Right. So, that, was so, that a scary jump though? Yeah. Because I wasn't making that much, you know, newspaper timer. I really wasn't. When I kind of did the math between the Getty contract, what the porters were going to pay me, no, it really wasn't. Um, Atlanta had just been announced with getting the Olympics for 96. Six, yeah. So my plan was to move to Atlanta, and Getty loved that idea. All sport liked that idea. So um, so I stayed with the Hornets probably two seasons and then moved down to Atlanta. Um, and SI was still calling a little bit too because the Getty contract was really weird back then. It was just kind of a, yeah, well, you know, we'll pay X amount, and you do, you do so many days. There was nothing in writing. There might have been, but there was no sort of exact numbers – of yeah. days. So it was, it was kind of bad on my end, bad on their end. So, you know, SI had used me for a few other things, a couple little assignments. Um, you know, when the Hornets came, when the Hornets started playing Manny or, or, or probably Manny, we came, came down a few times and met him and got the old, you know, how do I get my name in there? And then of course, a, Rich Carson also was part of a workshop called the, Sports workshop or whatever. Yep, yep, yep. So I went to a couple of those, met Peter and Al Thielmans. Me, Damien, Al Thielmans were all students there or whatever you call it. And uh, Peter was helping and I befriended Peter and he was beyond helpful. I, I probably drove him nuts with all the phone calls. <laughs> I know, before the days of just sending him an email, hey, got a suggestion? I would have to call him and bother him. And he was, he was beyond gracious. Um, so, you know, that's what got it going with getting out of newspapers and strictly into trying to do some sports only. What was it like taking your book the first time to New York? Um, you know, I, I don't even really, really remember what I took. I think I might've just showed up and said, my name's Jim Gond. I used to assist for Rich Clarkson. I've been doing a little of this. I don't, I really, I mean, maybe I did have a, a book, um, but, you know, I don't really remember. You showed Other up with that pretty face and just said, hey, <laughs> would well, you like to hire me? <laughs> because I think, I really can't, I wish I could remember exactly what got me there and, and, and who I sat down with. I just remember them putting my list on the freelance list. I must have had a book of some sort. And that book being, you know, the size of a small town's newspaper. I mean, a phone book. And I'm like, oh my word! Um, They'll never find me. <laughs> They'll never and, call. And then you know, and then I got to call me to a quick job. The first thing I really ever did, and you know, I thought that was going to be the ticket. And um, you know, that's probably when I started calling Peter and say, "Hey, I did a job. Why haven't they called me back? It's been a month." <laughs> and uh, you know, then then the second one came, and uh, <clears throat> and that that was crazy. I remember the second one better than the first one. What was uh, the second one? I mean, Ryan Taylor, who was signed by the Yankees, first round draft pick, pick the 90 ish, something like that. Okay, and it was a big deal to give a lot of money to somebody back in those days. And Steinberger gave him quite a bit of money. He was a pitcher, lived out 
towards uh, Nags Head, <clears throat> Carolina, North Carolina coast. And they wanted me to go out and go to his game. And I fly out there and I took the old 283 and I know I did and my little one white umbrella. And so I get there and the game is rained out. And so I call the editor and I'm like, hey, the game's rained out. And they don't know the game for like three days or something like that. What do you want me to do? And they go, well, can you get him just throwing, practicing? I said, yeah, we can do that. So I did. And he actually went for the picture. It was one of that rare time where you're behind the catcher and he's throwing probably eight, whatever he's throwing, but it's not that much. But to mm-hmm. me, I'm like, oh my God. And my heart, <laughs> jumped. but I got one of the ones where the ball is right in line with his face or his eyeball or something like that. And it was, it was actually a pretty neat little picture when it ran. I mean, the timing was pretty crazy. And then I did a little portrait with the 283 on the little white umbrella and they ran both. And I was, I was shocked that they would run that just, and you know, when the old, he's got his hand, you know, rested on a baseball and, um, and they were like, Hey, you did what you could do. Game was canceled. Yeah. And, and you made lemonade. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then the, the next summer he got in a bar fight and broke his arm and never played. Crazy story. <laughs> yeah. Or something like he had to fight in the bar he never, and he was their first round draft pick. And oh, he was, no. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, so I, but I just remember like, holy cow, he's not even going to pitch. What do I do? And I was saved by the 283 bouncing off the little umbrella. What were your financial experiences? Were you constantly trying to keep, you know, ahead? You know, when you're freelancing, it, you're sending invoices out you're trying to bring money in you want that phone to ring like were you pretty good with your finances early in your freelance career yeah i mean there was enough coming in you know and like i say that getty all sport contract was a check every month i don't think it was for a lot but but it was enough and um paid the rent or the bills and got you food on the table i was was okay i mean i was living a you know a fairly inexpensive lifestyle. So, um, and then got to Atlanta and, 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 and then I started getting a few more jobs and, you know, from SI and, you know, 500 bucks back then could go quite a ways to be all honest. Um, I don't have a lot of expenses, um, between that and the Getty and, and, um, you know, we weren't going to get rich, but I was doing okay. Did you, you have know? goals? Did you say, I want to shoot the Atlanta Olympics or I want to shoot this, I want to shoot that? Like, what did you have stuff? I had no goals. I just wanted to be, I wanted to be good enough to where they called me all the time. I wanted to, I wanted to be really good. I wanted to be as good as I could possibly be. And I knew it took practice. And that's that's where I got in the little squabble in, in Atlanta because I got to Atlanta. I had a set of lights from the, uh, from the Hornet days. And uh, so, so I showed up in Atlanta. Pardon? Did you have Speedos? Yeah, speedos. Yeah. Or ones or whatever, whatever bees. Um, so I show up in Atlanta. I'm like, well, I got to practice. Because I knew. I saw how I was getting better by shooting 40, you know, NBA games and another 20 or so college games. And, and, and you know, um, you know, I was pretty realistic. I, I knew I had to get, get better. And I love basketball. I love basketball the most. Um, so I went to Georgia Tech. And uh, they said no. And um, 
they told me it was too crowded. And um, I just said, oh, I, I want access. I don't, I don't need to, I'll give you, I'll trade pictures. You know, I just wanted access. I just wanted, they said no. And I said, okay. And um, yeah, I know what more to say. I called them for football. They said no. Um, I mean, I remember I called them to go see the, you know, and I introduced myself. You know, Jim Gunn, I've just recently been doing a handful of jobs, you know, Sports Illustrated. I'm pretty new. Um, I'm trying to get better. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to do anything other than practice and and, and uh, I need access. And uh, I'll never get, I called to try to go to like Georgia Tech Furman or something. Right. One of their games, and they told me it was too crowded. And I'm pretty sure the game was on TV and I saw the sidelines and I just, I didn't know what to say. I just like, you know, there's only three photographers there. I'm trying to think what's going on. So I drove to Athens, which is 60 miles the other way, and thought, what the heck? Same thing. Introduced myself. I'm just, I'll trade you. I'll give you some pictures. I'm just trying to. And they said, do you need two passes? Is that cool? Would you like parking too? I said, yes, that would be nice. So I, I my allegiance goes to the University of Georgia. <laughs> And their generosity, Claude Felton, the SID, and they were very welcoming. Came over, I did some women game for them, which, you know, on lights, they were thrilled, and, and men, about everything. And and um, and so uh, so I just, I, I mean, I, I tried to shoot every single game I could. Even, I went to the ladies, I just needed to practice. I needed to practice following focus, we're still autofocus, or not autofocus, and, and shooting on strobes, back to chrome, trying to get my exposures, and, and so I just shot. I just shot and shot and shot and shot. When I get a handful of good ones, I'd send them up. Whoever I met, Jeff White or somebody at SI, I would just send a, a, a sleeve of pictures up every once in a while just to say. Still here? Yeah. Still here. And yeah. that's kind of what got me. That was my goal, was just to get them to say, we want to call. We're going to call him, you know, regularly or See, that's that's brilliant that you wanted to grind, that you realized you needed to put in the work to get better. I had to. Right, because that bar, especially at Sports Illustrated, that bar was so high, so absolutely high. And, you know, and it got me in. It didn't get me into, as I tell people, it didn't get me to the top of the totem pole. I got on the totem pole. You were on the totem pole, Jim. And, you know, and golf and golf plus certainly. I think I told you a few weeks ago we talked. I mean, golf plus rolled in in '93 or four, and that was basically, you know, a lot of work that I know some of the guys didn't want to do. And so, I get so it. tell me that phone call because that's an interesting point in the early '90s for Sports Illustrated. They're trying to expand the magazine. They're trying to thicken it up. You know, I think. A couple well, of years sense. later, they do SI for kids and SI for women, and then they started putting right. extra right. 20, 30 pages in the magazine. Well, and the whole, the, the main SI, Golf Plus, I think, was Titleist and, and Nike and whoever else was advertising, you know, Cadillac, whoever else is going to advertise for the golf crowd, didn't want to pay the national advertising rate from October to March for people in New York, Chicago, blah, 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 who aren't playing golf. Right. You know? So they figured out a way to drop that insert in to only like four or 500,000 people, which is still quite a few, you know, some Belt states, Florida, California, Texas, Carolinas. Um, and then the rate was going to be a, a fifth of, you know, much. So they would pretty much 
put an ad in there in February, knowing it was going to go to the right people. So Ward Haynes was the old photo editor for golf and called me and was telling me all about it and said, basically I had tryouts. said, well, would you want to win? It was a LBJ event in Atlanta and um, we'll see how you do. And Jamie Squire was assisting me. And so we went out there and just shot it from every angle, every possible. They probably hated me for, and I never, I didn't shoot a lot of film like some, but I probably did on that one. And, um, <laughs> And he called me three or four days later and said, hey, this stuff looks great. And he said, I'll be in touch or something to that effect. And boom, two or three weeks later, he got in touch. <clears throat> and it never slowed down. Every, I mean, I did 12 to 20 tournaments a year for oh. probably, probably. That's a financial years. changer. Yeah. Because I mean, they explained to me, it's day rates is the same. Golf tournament, four days. So, I mean, I know and that's it's day in, day out. I mean, there's, yes. yeah. And, and it also, what I really, and it, it, it was a lot of work and a lot of travel and a lot of wear and tear on the body, but financially it was super. And, um, and I really enjoyed getting to know so many of the people in the golf media business because we go for four days. Yeah. We go to Miami and we know where to go have sushi and where to go get Cuban food and, and it was a lot of the same. It was the same Getty Allsport people generally for a lot of them. A lot of the same writers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys from Golf Magazine or Golf Digest or, or, or wherever. So we saw a lot of the same people, which was really fun. You know, that's where I got to meet some so many people and become friends with them because we get to see each other, you know, 20 times a year. Right. That's when I saw your name in the magazine for the first time was when I had Golf Plus and I, there's his name, there's his name, Jim Gundon, boom, boom, boom. And you were just making interesting, original-looking golf photos. Well, I was, I was trying to be different. That because, I mean, uh, neck and steel, as we all say, is, is just a pretty, pretty, you know, neck and deal, neck and steel, we would always laugh. So, I mean, you know, I would also look at some of the others. You know, Robert started doing a lot, and boy, was he good. And, and Simon came in a little bit later, but brilliant. And Darren Carroll and some of the others. Um, so, yeah, I, I started understanding. I didn't quite understand what opener meant and things like that. You know, I was always, when I shot basketball especially, and it probably was not the best way to go about it, I, I was always, we had the old saying at the paper, if it ain't tight, it ain't right. So we would always mm-hmm. shoot as well, that might have looked good in a one-picture thing in the paper. But as I look back over some magazines, I see, you know, you needed to you needed to shoot a little looser. It made more sense. You know, I mean, tight sounds great, but for a story or for a four-page thing, you know, you've got, you know, so, so the golf was the perfect way to learn how to shoot an opener because picture of a golfer swinging a golf club isn't that exciting. Right. So, you know, incorporate the environment, which is a lot prettier than most inside basketball arenas, football stadiums. So, yeah. And saying that tight is right. That's a very newspaper thing. You know, they don't do a big wide double truck shot and the image of the person's very small and you're showing NASCAR's big stadium or a big football stadium. SI does do that. And so, That's always the the hard part for newspaper guys getting trying to get their foot in the door of SI. They think much bigger back then. Yeah, no, I did, and, and I like I say, I, I once again, if you go back, 
I would, I would, you know, approach some of those, you know, nice assignments I had basketball tournaments or, or whatever with it, with it, you know, put that dog on one thirty five away and shoot a little looser. And I was always 400 down court. No, nothing wrong with that, but, but, um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found a nice little niche with golf now, but, this is where I get the jealous part is that you're with it in Atlanta at the time when the Braves are going off and there's this guy, Deion Sanders, who's changing the way sports is going, playing football and baseball. And you're taking pictures of him going in and out of helicopters and traveling all him. over the place. I, I know. And I was like, you lucky SOB guy. Yeah. Well, he, he, he was okay, too. It's funny how sometimes he was really cool and sometimes he was a little standoffish, but, but he's Dion. But, yeah, that was an interesting time to be there. And, the, and obviously for the Braves, although I didn't really think I did. I might have done one of the World Series with the Braves for SI. Um, but I was there for some of those fun runs they had. Um, it was just a good time to be in Atlanta. And leading up to the, leading up to the Olympics was huge. And 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 Plutmeyer was kind of halfway in charge there, I guess. He was calling me all the time to do just little things. I mean, would you drive out and shoot me some pictures of the equestrian park? You know, or we need picture, we need film tests from inside the swimming venue. And this mm-hmm. is you know six weeks before the the the, uh, the, the, the Olympic Games. And then there was I don't there were some Olympic pre races and so i i felt stuff i stumbled into all that and i did the olympics only because i was living there i guarantee if i had been living somewhere else i probably wouldn't have been able to but um but it worked out well and um you know it was a heck of an experience to shoot some of those really unique things that i never would have jumped to shooting well you were smart right. enough to know to move to atlanta you but saw it it. It, it, it it was part of the plan and and and, and i looked at the si staffers and contract guys and they really didn't have anybody you know in that area i mean frank's was in florida but but um there really wasn't anybody in the southeast necessarily charlotte hadn't quite come into its own as a sports town like it is now but atlanta did seem to make sense for those reasons and that's another reason i wanted to try to get my lights in the omni (laughs) that even went worse so um yeah that even went worse. How bad was that? I got an assignment from, <clears throat> can't remember who was doing hockey. There was a young lady named um, Marie, 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 she was from Finland or something. She was playing in the minor league. They got a minor league team. She was playing in minor leagues as a goalie. And they wanted me to photograph her. And That's so right. they put, you know, and I'm not really a hockey photographer, but figure a goalie. Reasonably easy. So, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure that's what they were thinking in me, you know. So, uh, so they they put I put lights in. They called and had the lights put in. And I met the guy at the arena, and I said, "Hey, I'm, once again, I'm new, starting to shoot some stuff, and I like to put my lights. In. Can I leave them in here? It would be advantageous for myself, and, and you know, the fact that I'm doing a few things for Sports Illustrated. And the guy was totally cool, absolutely great. Shot the game, sent it to New York. They ran up couple little pictures and four or five days later I have voicemail on my old answer machine at home come get your lights that have been taken out of the arena and I went down and met the guy and he said 
you're out. And I said, why? He said, cannot have your lights in here. And I dug a little deeper. And, um, yeah, it, just, it, was, uh, it was unfortunate. It yeah. was unfortunate. So I never could get my lights in the, in the Army. And it was, it was, oh, my God. I, yeah, there, I put them in. That, you know, I put them in myself. Oh, Ooh. boy. That was scary. That was one scary arena to walk around those catwalks. Oh, my word. Yeah. It was bad. It was some of them. I'm sure you've had some yep. good ones. In that. Boy, that was a, whew. I So anyway. Correct. Tell, am I right? Did you have to go out the hatch onto the roof and down the hatch? Yes. It was scary. Fudge. I couldn't imagine doing it at, you know, half my age now, but I mean, you couldn't imagine <laughs> if you weren't in good shape and, you know, Agile and all that. It was it was it was a scary thing. So yeah. that killed my uh, any attempt to get in the Omni, and 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 that led into whenever they got their new arena. Um, so that yeah, was too bad. It was too bad. Now, why did you know? Or maybe you did. Did you ever look at Sports Magazine and do any work for them? Because Sport was still around. They were around a little bit monthly, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't. I never did. Um, I did some sporting news stuff. Okay. Occasionally, not a lot. Then with Dickerson, yep. Thing with Ted Turner down there, did a few other things. Um, so I, I was pretty content, uh, you know, crossing my fingers that they were just going to keep calling. And obviously, wintertime, when there wasn't, you know, the golf every week or two, uh, I had some lean, lean months in there. But uh, but that was that went back to basketball starting. I'm going down to, I'm driving to Athens. I keep shooting my, you know, seven or eight rolls of film and processing them on my own and and, and uh, <clears throat> trying to get better and sending them to New York. And, and uh, so, uh, so you yeah. were investing in you. That is so smart. I had to, you know, because I looked at the magazine and I looked at my pictures and and, and um, you know, I, I, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, I got a few. Decent, you know, and it was funny. I would look at my pictures, and I always thought it was about, well, hey, 30, 33, I'm wearing focus. I must be pretty good. And, um, and I, I remember back to my newspaper days where some of the guys weren't very good at following focus. And we would all be in the dark room, and they're like, dude, well, I'm, well, I'm, you got three quarters of them, and I got one quarter of them. And I'm, I, whatever reason, I was okay with it. Um, then when I went out on a couple jobs, I didn't. I, I just, I don't know if I psyched myself out or not. I remember I got filmed back from a job and I'm like, I mean, I, I just, I missed 50% of the pictures. They were just soft as a baby's, you know what? And I'm like, <laughs> and so I, I just, I just didn't know, just, just one of those things. And it's unfortunate. It was bad timing on a couple of them. Well, a lot of it is too, if you go shoot a, Georgia men's basketball game, there's a tempo speed. You shoot a women's game, speed comes down. Then you go do a Hawks game, all of a sudden it revs up. And then maybe if you do a North Carolina Duke game, it's a little faster than Georgia, but not as fast as Atlanta. So there's constant shifting in how you focus. And people don't realize that back in the day, Emmanuel. I guess not, because I, yeah, I thought I just had it down pretty good. And, and I'm not saying it's all about being in focus. Well, if you're not in focus, no matter how well it's composed or framed or whatever, you know, it's not going to work. So, 
Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it was a tough time to yeah. to. Well, okay. For you, when did you jump to autofocus? Was that with Canon, or were you a Nikon guy? Oh, I, I, I did the old back and forth. I tried one and tried the other, and so I know. I can't. I I remember Peter Miller, as a matter of fact. I don't know where we were describing it to me how you just push this button and I'm like, come on. And, and I, I really don't remember. Um, but I still, I still kept like for golf, I kept a 504, I believe manual. And I still used it literally until the, the last days of working. Um, I just, I was okay with that. Golf's a little different. Sure. Um, um, but yeah, I, I made this, the, the switch back and forth. So silly me. Um, a I lot of guys I'm did. I'm sure I tried Nikon. I'm sure I tried, I was a Nikon guy. I'm sure I tried Canon first since they were kind of the first. Uh-huh. And I just, I missed the Nikon, you know, rever- you know, and then Nikon came along however long later and, and, uh, I went back to that and, and, um, yeah, so. Anyway, was there ever a game you shot where you felt like you were in the zone, like you were just crushing it everywhere you looked, you were nailing it? Oh, that, you know, so when you say that, a couple of those games that, that I got my film back, and I'm like, God, God, I really thought I was, I was nailing it, but uh, none, none any any more so than any other, to be honest. Um, I mean, there were a few. I, I did a women's, I did a handful of women's final four, which was pretty fun. You know, sure, I'd love to have been men's, but um, the women's final four was great. Best part about it is they were they welcomed you. You know, I sure. remember going. I did go a few women men's final fours, and it was the old sit down and stay out of the way. <laughs> Whereas the women were like, "Yeah, you got plenty of room," and you know, you they, they were just a little more welcoming because they didn't have sixty photographers on the baseline. So. Um, that's interesting you say that because you had a Cheryl Swoops photo that was stunning. And I was like, that was, that was the one I really liked. Um, I mean, it was only, it goes back to that, you know, anymore, how often do you go to an event or did we back in the day where you got the only picture? Cause everybody, everybody else, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a few other people got this, but it was, it, it was that Cheryl Swoops hitting that shot at the buzzer. Manny was at the other end. He was probably blocked. Um, but he, he, I know he didn't get it. Or they, they used mine, but um, but I remember I shot with four hundred. Like I said, I always shot down court, or I like to with a four hundred. But I switched to my three, and I said, you know what? I need to be a little loose, right? Just and Darvizer from USA Today was next to me, and he stayed with his four. He got it, but I think he like cut off her feet or what? I mean, he still sure. had it, but but uh, yeah, and that was you know on lights. You know, you got that one sec. You know, you got that, I got no motor drive here, and uh, and it was it was pretty good timing, and um, and I remember I, something came. I think something came down from one of the editors, but they were really happy because I, I remember it might have been Duke beat somebody in that amazing picture McDonough had of Grand Hill and that one armed slam that was just like early in the game. And I remember he told me he just lifted his camera up. He didn't even have time to, and he nailed that. And I, and I nailed that shot there. And one of the editors sent a memo around and it got forwarded to me about good timing that we nailed the, the, the winning shots on or I, I mean, his wasn't the winning shot, but, um, but uh, <clears throat> from both the women and men's final four. So 
Yeah, and which is really cool because you know what's nice about that one is it led to me the very next year. She lived in Charlotte. I was living in Charlotte. Cheryl Swoops. Oh no, no, I'm I'm, I'm so bad. I'm on the wrong one. I'm on. <laughs> you're right. I am on um, the gal from North Carolina. Yeah. David Thompson's grand uh, niece. I am blanking on her name. I'm blanking on her name. Cheryl Swoops was down in Atlanta, and she had the 40s on odd points. Yeah, yeah, for Texas Tech. Tech, right? right? Yep. I was thinking she I'm goes so off on Texas Tech. Yeah, at Texas Tech. They didn't have a second photographer, and they used to always have one. Mm-hmm. I remember I was in a panic because they're like, "We need an opener." I'm like, once again, I'm like opener and um Jim, you know on one end only there's usually two people on the you know one on the other end and um but that actually worked out pretty well with that one picture the one i think about is north carolina and i'm blanking on the young lady's name hit the shot at the buzzer the three the beat uh i can't remember lsu or somebody but that was the one where i put down the 400 picked up the 300 and hit the shot. And it was a three. They were down two. So it was one of those where, you know, they needed the three to win. And um, Charlotte Smith, Charlotte Smith, my bad. It's David Thompson's niece, the great North Carolina State player. And for the preseason thing for the next year, they had me go do a feature with her based on the fact that I had gotten that picture of her that's what I was leading up to. So that was really fun. We had a really nice picture of her for the preseason uh, women's uh, preview. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got those. No, got, those I, got my final fours confused. Yeah. Well, it happens. Yeah, you know, they were 30 years ago. Well, I think I did. I think I did seven or eight of the women's final fours. So I had a really good time doing it. You that. did. You had a run. I was looking at the magazine going, man. man. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's not the men's Final Four, but he's getting work at the women's yes. Final Four. Yeah. Check's still the same. Well, it, it, it just was fun. Yeah. It was fun. And, and so many guys and gals you met along the way. I was, that might be the only one. Some of my friends around here are like, boy, you must miss covering all those golf tournaments and doing that. I'm like, the only thing I miss is seeing all the guys and girls. Right. Although I'm not sure that many of them are there anymore anyway. That, that's you know? that's uh, the other thing. Yes, indeed. I did miss – I missed – seeing the group of guys I would use gals I would usually see because I went to a lot of the same tournaments year in and year mm-hmm. out. You'd uh, see J D or see Daryl, you see guys and hey, how's it going? I just in you know, we'd I'd always do Phoenix because it was always the weekend of the Super Bowl. You know, I I went to one once again because I lived in Atlanta and it was in Atlanta. Um but it was always fun to go to the Phoenix Open. You know, it was it was uh got a college roommate lives out there so we Get to see each other, and it was a lot of the, a lot of the same photographers from the West Coast would be there. A lot of the Getty guys. You you had an SI cover that really shocked me because it was so not an SI cover, but was that Albert Bell of him over his shoulder and he's kind of peeking, and it's just one eye, and Albert's got that menacing look on his face, like he's always ready to eat somebody's child. That is so not an SI cover. And then years later, it kind of looked like what ESPN would do. And I was always like, wow, somebody took a chance. And I don't know if that was Maureen was doing, Mo was doing baseball at the time, or or Nate was taking over. But it was such a great look that kind of separated the SI covers because they would kind of 
be the same so often. Well, I'll tell you what crazy went down and did a thing on high school recruits who were changing colleges. They'd announce one and then they'd choose the other one Mm -hmm. and kind of making a big scene of it. And so it was just a little one picture thing, kid down in Southern Georgia, uh, Mark, Marcus Stroud, I think his name is going to Georgia Yep, over Florida. Yep. So I went and bought a few jerseys and he's ripping. And I mean, I was told it was going to be a little insert in the back. Three days later, they call me there. I mean, it's on the cover. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So you never know, right? Well, because you took a chance. You made a photo. But I mean, it wasn't eight. It just, it happens to be one of those things where it starts out as just a small story and somebody had, in the office said, you know what, let's put that on the cover. So I was, I was thrilled, but I was, it's the last thing I was thinking. I never told, I never remember seeing him that next year at, at, at a Georgia football game and walked up to him and he's like, we made the cover. I go, who, who would have known? I go, who would have thought? Because I mean, we met in like the back of the school cafeteria and I just set up a little backdrop and, and, and had him do that Jersey rip 15 times or whatever. And, and, uh, anyway. Yeah, and he'll remember you forever for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he got on the cover of SI, and Jim yeah. made that happen. He ended, he ended up having a pretty good career, too. Good for him. Yeah, NFL. yeah. I mean, did you ever have other assignments where, I remember one time, I, I'm just doing supposed to do a regular baseball game in San Diego, and they're like, oh, you know, just go down, do this, that. And then I meet the writer, and because at the time they didn't tell you who it was, and it's Frank DeFord, and I'm like, holy shit. I'm working on a Frank DeFord story. Like it immediately made me, I was already excited that I was doing an SI assignment. Now it's a Frank story. Super. Holy crap. You know, I worked with Riley a few times yeah. back when he, before he started doing his back page only thing, mm-hmm. it was always fun, but he was always just kind of doing his own thing. Right. And he was kind of always doing his own thing. Um, Peter King and I, believe it or not, a great football guy. We had to go do women's softball at the Olympics together. <laughs> and it was being played in like, maybe when it happens, but we definitely had to get in a car and drive and chat for, you know, an hour each way or whatever. So he was a really interesting guy. I mean, I never would have thought I would have met Peter King. Yeah. To talk. We talked football the whole time. Which was really Monday, cool. Monday quarterback, right? That was yeah. his whole thing. Yeah. But, uh, and I remember him going, him kind of saying the same thing about, well, at least I got to the Olympics, even though I'm going to go do you know, softball or whatever we had to do, equestrian. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. What's the best photo you ever took? What's the one? If if I say, Jim, send me your best photo. I want to hang it in my office. What What is? What do you think? I don't think it's a sports photo. That's okay. But, 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 but you're but, a but photographer, I would, Jim. But, 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 but along the sports line, I don't know if I have a like a – one that warrants being on someone's wall as much as one I'm most proud of. And that would be the Sergio Garcia when he came out from behind the tree and ran down the fairway and kicked his legs up. And I always say that because I think myself and only one other person got it. Uh, there was a wire guy on the other side of the fairway, AFP, I think, who got it. And I think I'm just um, it was neat to get something that nobody else got, as we were saying earlier. I didn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just one of those, you hit the shot from behind the tree. And as you know, the golf 
when you hit, when, you, when a guy hits a ball, you usually take a handful of shots, get up, grab your gear, and move on. Right. And you head to the green. And virtually everybody did after he hit that ball from behind the tree. And for some reason, I stayed on him, and kind of Mark Feldman was next to me. And we were kind of mumbling, going, what is he doing? Because he kind of slow walked it, you know, coming out from behind the tree. And then he all of a sudden starts spraying and does his little scissor kick. And my heart jumped out of my throat shot it on film and was like, what was that? And we, and he, he was on digital. Unfortunately, he didn't get it. He looked at his camera and he's like, I blew it. It buffered out on him or something or was he buffering out? I think he just missed the focus. Possibly that. Anyway, he went through the shadows too. It was a little tricky. Yeah. But I was halfway. So after that happened, I'm like, holy cow, got to get up to the green. And, I'm halfway up the green and my <laughs> beeper goes off. The old days of pagers. It says it says two one two and I'm like, oh boy. And I pull out my little flip phone and it's Matt Janella. And all he said was, Did you well he said, Did you get it? I'm like, Matt, that, yeah. I was there and I shot That's it. it. That's all I can tell you. And I hung up the phone. And he said, Okay, as long as I know you're there. So, you know, deep down I'm Yeah, sure. Um, Tiger ended up winning. I'm kind of rooting for Tiger to make to maybe three pot and let Sergio win because I knew it would make a really it would be a much more valuable picture if and um, I mean, Tiger Tiger ended up winning. But Matt called me the next day. We always shipped the film out. Somebody took it back to New York, and uh, <clears throat> I got home the next day and got a call. And he all he said was, "You nailed it. Great job." Hung up the phone. So it was fun in the months preceding to see some of the guys and gals and say, "Dude." Way to go. You got that picture that nobody Wasn't else got, basically. Weird, though, to have like um, Big Brother yeah. SI watching the game and wanting to text you or call you, make sure, hey, were you there? Did you do that? Did you do this? God, I always found that uneasy. It was just, uh. I mean, it was. It was. But you, you know, you know how it is. And the old TV got it. <laughs> Right. You know, and like, well, TV had seven angles. And so <laughs> I heard that one a few times, but, um, but anyway, so I'm, I would, I'm probably as proud of that. I mean, just, just, you know, anything else in the golf yeah. business, it's rare to get something that like, holy cow, how'd you get that angle? Well, that's pretty rare. Um, and that was one where I just, I just, is there one you want back? Cause there's a one, is there a shot so. you missed and you're like, Oh, that, that will live for me with me forever. I missed a few. I missed a few over the years. I, I, you know, I was at the Ryder Cup when Justin Leonard made that crazy long mm-hmm. putt. Simon got a great cover picture, and uh, I mean, we were all there. I just, I, I just wish I'd have done a little better job to get a better angle. I didn't. I had a bad angle. I think Robert had a good one. Simon, John, or uh, uh, Martin shot kind of wide. But I just, I just kind of was. I don't know. I just got kicked myself. I'm not saying it would have made a made the cover by any stretch because he had a great picture and angle, but, but I didn't really work it like it should have. I kind of like nonchalantly got up there behind yeah, everybody. You always got to stay with so, it. It's tough. Anyway. Well, oh, and I also won other, I, Tiger won one of his, I think his only his second or third tournament was the Disney oh, right. thing, back when he played some of the smaller ones. And, and that's why when I was actually working with, with Rick Eiley, who was covering it as a, not, not as, 
not as a last page, just as a as a game reporter. And I got a call on Sunday because he was winning, and they said this is going to be a cover. I'm like, holy cow! And Matt Janela said, shoot the hell out of it, and I did. But I wasn't thinking cover enough. I I was shooting more head on, and just all I know is I did not use my cover. And it was really disheartening when he called me on Monday and said. We pulled one out of the files from somebody else, and I was just like, "God, God!" And I, and I'm, but I'm mad at myself because I wish I could close my eyes and kind of imagined how it could be shot more than just with a long lens, and which I probably just hung back and. Yeah, because so anyway, there is a process to thinking but, about um, the cover. I, yeah, I mean, you you've got to be aware of that, and that was something that when I would assist the guys, whether it was. Peter or John or any of them that you could see that that's what they were thinking. And so it helped me when I moved on that, like I had that in my head, like make sure it's vertical, make sure there's space. Don't shoot too tight on the top. Yeah. yeah. So, and, 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 and being 18 holes of golf, my gosh, how many opportunities did I have? That's what, and then I think Matt really fought for me. He said they had, you know, I think they put three or four of them up there and they're dropping the type in. And, and he said it was really close, but they wanted one more from an angle and his head, arms wrapped around his head on the follow through. Right. Didn't have many There's of only those, so much but, you can do. You know, that's okay. You know, the flip side is the one I went down to South Georgia and shot and the college got, kid ripping his jersey off. It wasn't how many covers did you end up with in your career at SI? We had two or three, I believe, national ones, and I had five or six of the uh, commemorative ones. I don't know, probably the best one was the commemorative one. Auburn, in ninety-three or four or five, was on probation. They went undefeated, and so oh, they put out. Right. They couldn't go to bowl games. They couldn't go to you know, any of that stuff. And uh, they put out a commemorative issue of that for Auburn people. <laughs> And, um, and it was a true, it was a super picture and a cover and I think quite a few pictures on the inside. And, and, uh, so it was only seen. I had forgotten that they were on probation and were undefeated that year. (laughs) And then, and and so Franks and I did a a game mid season when they covered them just, and it was a band. The headline was look who's perfect. And they were like eight and oh or nine and oh at the time later in the season, I guess. And unfortunately, Frank's had a camera malfunction. Something happened, like the, the plate on the back of his camera fell out and everything was, and he was losing. He didn't realize it until the fourth quarter. So everything that ran in the magazine was mine, which was really, you know, unfortunate for Bill. They just, but I remember we were driving back and he was, we all drove over together. I said, my assistant, he we had two assistants and Bill and I, and he was, he was losing it. And I didn't know, and I'm thinking, oh boy, did I get enough? And did I this? And and so, uh, how did you handle the digital change from yeah. film to digital? I, I was almost done. You know, I was almost done. I mean, I I I, I was probably done doing. You know, at the, towards the end, Matt Janella went over to Golf Digest, mm-hmm. and they used to have a weekly called Golf Week, and it was that was great. You know, it was a really fun little publication to work for. When he left, I just, I don't know, he was kind of my guy there, um, my go-to guy. And, right. You know, new people, new shooters, new this, new that. I didn't get many jobs. So 
that's really only when I was doing digital. I don't know if I really did many digital things for SI. Um, but I mean, I liked it. I didn't, it took a little yeah. while. I didn't, the buffering thing really threw me off. I didn't quite get that. So I just thought you could just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. And I learned, learned the wrong way with that. But, um, <laughs> this so, doesn't go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I, 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 I just, once again, was just learning on the fly. Um, but I did, I guess I did a few things. Cause I remember Robert and I did, when, when Hanukkah played that men's tournament, I don't remember what year, but he and I did that together down in Fort Worth. And uh, I remember that was all, because that's when I learned on the on the buffering. I hit that motor drive and held it for 15 seconds when she was hitting her first drive. And then I look at the back of the camera and I'm trying to figure Why out. Why is this red light flashing? <laughs> I took 80 pictures. Why aren't they all loaded? Was photography so, good to you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, don't know what else I would have done, truly, when I think back on it. And um, I hate my body's a little beat up from lugging and stuff, but I guess I could have happened doing anything else. But uh, yeah. yeah, stories, friends, you know, you know yourself being a photographer. 99% of the people in the world aren't photographers, but think they are photographers. So it's always fun to share stories and, yeah. You know, would you do it again? If you had yeah, to do it all yeah. over again? It's always fun to share stories. Absolutely. Well, I would love to go back, redo it. Redo it a little bit. I would yeah. love to do it again. I'd love to be better prepared. I would have loved been better prepared in those first early years and really, really, you know, learn more through trial and error or whatever. Um, but, yes. Yeah. But, no, I would, I would totally do it again. And unfortunately, yeah, that size go. Looks like it's gone. So, I mean, you know, that's that's see, so I disheartening. Think, I think Peter, maybe John. I think Robert's younger. Um, were your age now when the when they got cut loose? I think they were in their sixties when they got cut loose. I mean, you could have been a staffer at SI right now and be unemployed last week if they had kept. Now that'd be crazy. I never thought it would die the way it did, but I'm not surprised because all the things they did to kill it. I mean, it was right. Yeah, I agree. You know, and a couple guys where I work now brought it up like, oh, it's a shame about SI. And we're somebody made a good comment because, you know, it's a shame that right. Bezos or somebody who's got more money than they know what to do with. Just walk in and say, guys, here's $50 million. Just, just get it working again. Hell, he did that with the Washington Post. I, I know it's not as easy. <laughs> I mean, literally, he did that. He just... Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I love being, being in that somewhat in the media business, but but I don't know if he likes sports that much or cares that much, but because um, I think that's going to be the only thing that would just to start from scratch with new people and new management and you know, a boatload of money. But isn't that sad but, um, that there's not a place... And the stories. I mean, that's the other thing. It was our side is always individuals, but the great stories, the Rileys and the, for the people that wrote that stuff, you can't go buy a newsstand and pick it up on the way through the airport. That's the part that kills me. I know. I know. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, uh, I don't think it's going to straighten itself out either. 
you know, that whole New York, uh, yeah. LA Times thing is, I mean, that's huge yeah. to see, you know, going that way. So letting people go. I, I And it's funny because I think overseas, yes. I think newspapers are still a pretty big deal. And I don't know why. This damn thing, become, that's why. Yeah, but I don't know what it is. Like when I was on when I was in London and I'm on the tube, guys are in the morning. They're still reading the paper. I'm in New York and I'm on the I'm on the subway and everybody's on their damn phone. Yeah, I don't know if there's a fix for it. I don't think. What advice would you have for up and coming photographers right now? I mean, you've talked about like you wish you would have known more earlier and grinded more earlier to be well well rounded. Is that kind of a a Jim Gund staple? Well, yeah, and I think you know, uh, I think that's anybody who's been in the business like you and I and through, through oh, those God. years, you know, learn video, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I mean, I don't know where outlets are. Like, I had somebody at work who told me their son wanted to get into photography. And I'm like, run, what can run, you tell him? Run like, away. Well, <laughs> don't newspapers. I mean, they, you know, they're always going to be photography, wedding photographers. If you want to do it, they're always going to be weddings. It's virtually economy proof. Um, but I don't know if that would interest people. And I don't know if there's enough of that market. Um, there is a market for that, but you need to find your own little niche. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, people like pictures. I will say that, you know, I live here at the beach like you and I go out, there's always right. people taking pictures, but is that really what you want to do? I mean, I don't know if schooling and all that are really going to make you a better beach photographer than somebody with, you know, yeah. a nice iPhone anymore. Right. Oh, yeah. Tell me how good these things are. You know, what's amazing is my phone yeah. has more megapixels and buffer and quality than the photographers that were shooting on September 11th. I mean, that's bonkers to think yeah, of that. It's crazy. I'm, I, I've got the Nikon and Canon people. We should have known some of these techs at iPhone 20 years ago and said, Hey, take us to that. Right. Take us up. You notches up. Right. Do something before our yeah, phones catch up. A lot of them. mistakes made. Yeah. Yeah, there were just so increment, little increment improvements. I mean, just baby right. steps. Whereas these iPhones, my gosh. <laughs> were you Huge a steps. big like tech guy with your camera gear? Oh. Like or you know, we had talked about you know, the Hasselblad, but did you keep it real simple, stupid? Yeah. Very simple. Very simple and very stupid. No, I was I remember talking to Michael O'Brien and some guys out there who were getting into it. I'm like, dude, please explain. You know, I had a hard time learning how to run and work a Mac and all that. I was really bad. I remember Getty had me, I used mm -hmm. to go to spring training every year and do headshots of every single player on every team just to have in their files. Just a simple backdrop headshot. And they sent me, and I don't know what year it was, but I was the only one still on film because I was still so nervous to shoot. I mean, I think it was probably right. everybody else's first year on digital, but I'm like, I still need to go. I had a digital camera. I'd just gotten one. 
but I was just fiddling with it and just was like, I don't think you guys want to send me to the <laughs> Oriole Spring training because I'm so worried. And I remember whoever I was talking with, I go, dude, it's not that hard. I'm like, yeah, but I've never really, I've just screwed around in my backyard with my dog or whatever, you know, birds. And so I had to go shoot, you know, eight rolls of ectochrome, and I'm sure they hated my guts. That'll tell you how I, yeah. once again, it just kind of, I just started learning, learning along the way and hoping I, yeah. don't, hoping I don't screw up the picture. Yeah, well, I can't tell you how many times McDonough would As call me and try to have him explain photo mechanic because he couldn't get the photos uploaded. <laughs> like, all right, John, let's walk through it again. <laughs> yeah. Those are good. With him is good they're great guys. They're still alive. <laughs> they're still kicking. Um, you know, we talked about it. Like not all of us are on the Mount Rushmore of sports photography. And I don't think there should be 12 people on there. There should be five. I mean, there's some guys they're there for a reason, you know, but there's like, you are on that totem pole, Jim, you made great photos for a very long time. Um, like I said, when I started, you were making photos that were making me jealous and that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you weren't you weren't making photos, and I was Thanks. like, "Really? They hired that guy? I'm Shit. moving to Atlanta. <laughs> Come on, honey, we're going to the south." <laughs> there probably would have been room. For, no, I for liked one living more, next. But, um, <laughs> not not, not according to the next other to person who lived there. Donna Beck, VJ, Peter were here. Like, I was lucky if I ever saw a game. Yeah, I know. Those guys, my word. And I'm glad they all didn't come out of it slitting each other's throats. I mean, yeah. there was enough work, but still, I mean. Well, I'm well the sure good thing was, was they, were all, they were all unbelievable. They are unbelievable. But they all did a little bit enough. You know, Peter loved his football. Um, McDonough was was basketball all the way. But then VJ was was vastly different than Robert and Robert was such a unbelievable like ability to adapt. He could do car racing and golf and he could do sailing. You drop him into a portrait. They worked the, having the four of them out here. Yeah. Robert were pretty good pals. And yeah, he, he's, he, he and I kind of came to the Olympics in 96, yeah. I think. And maybe BJ, um, mm-hmm. with the possibility of getting a contract after that, they obviously shined and got him. I didn't, but, 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 but I, wa- I spent a lot of time with Robert after that. And, uh, yeah, he just, he, uh, he, he really saw things that unique yeah. way, Simon Brody way, you know, just, you just see it a little different, which is a little more straightforward. Right. Guys. You do. And but I you need straightforward guys, that's right? what made the magazine unique because you would have this beautiful photo that Fred would take of golf of, you know, tiger on the 18th, you know, in that fairway shot or the, from the tee box. But then Robert will do some like unbelievable, just reverse processing or is infrared. And you're like, Oh man, you're thinking not even outside the box. You're in a whole nother box. And I think I occasionally would think to myself, "Don't think outside the box because it might 
and it yeah. might screw them, and they might get mad. Or you know, you know what I mean? I, in other words, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't say it that one. I was a little scared to think outside the box, or just didn't feel comfortable doing anything other than the nuts and bolts. Make sure you do a good enough job. Um, right. Yeah. And now I love to think out the box when I'm taking pictures of a few things around town. Oh my word! You know, because you can still capture what you need to capture thinking outside the box. I always kind of thought, no. I was very blessed. I was working at the register at the time. VJ's the angel photographer. And I was shooting a lot of baseball. And I get a job to shoot for SI. And he tells me, shoot exactly the way you're shooting at the register. Don't shoot any different. Because that's the reason they picked you. Don't try to shoot like an SI guy. And I was like, Oh, because I was going to try to shoot like an SI guy. He said, no, no, that they're hiring you because you're you're doing this. Do that. You know, because you, you want to start to shoot like what Walter would do or what would Neil would do. Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's good. Great, great yeah. words of wisdom from, from uh, EJ. Yeah. Uh, I can't thank you enough. So. I'm glad your voice is feeling better and you're feeling better. And, and we're... <laughs> And I'm going to tell you this. I remember seeing seeing you. We did a golf match at Phoenix or Palm Springs. And it was the first time, like, you see somebody. Because, you know, forever you just saw names on a, you know, in a magazine. You didn't know who anybody was. And I was like, that guy's got a good head of hair on him. That a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Along with those skinny legs, that's it. Yeah, you always want a photographer with a good head of hair. Right. (laughs) That's why I brought it up. There's not many, to be honest. Jim, you're the best, man. You keep kicking, doing your thing. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful you were able to give me this time because you're, you're a stud, man. Absolutely. I will definitely do it. Hook me up. You're the best, Jim. Thanks. Take care now. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Jim Gund. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the like button and become a subscriber to the podcast. Remember to follow the Just a Good Conversation podcast on Instagram, and you can find all of our past shows on the website at justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.